All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. With our 35th year of business and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. As we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from this past week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, and the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up about 127 points, or three-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was up about 87 points, or 1.8%. And the NASDAQ last week was up about 449 points, or 3.1%. Now, for the year-to-date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down three-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up three-tenths of 1%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is down three-tenths of 1%, just like the Dow. Great, I think the big, what's the big historic news? Bitcoin has an week? ETF. I don't Thank know. you, Joe. The SEC finally threw in. The SEC finally threw in the, ta- the towel and changed the rules. And this week, I don't know how many ETFs uh, tied to Bitcoin started trading. Uh, I can tell you that we have not one single penny of Davidson Capital Management client money in any of these exchange-traded funds. Um, I don't know that we ever will. Um, and those that have purchased uh, these ETFs to invest in Bitcoin, maybe for the first time, uh, good luck. Uh, it's a, obviously just a speculative, and I, I kind of use the word investment loosely because... Uh, I wouldn't even call it investment. It's, it's know, a casino. It, it's a, a fictitious automated ledger in the sky that uses proceeds to fund sex trafficking, terrorism, drug proceeds, money laundering. Yeah, let's be associated with that. And it's built on the greater fool theory. Well, actually, actually, the U.S. dollar is used more in all of those things than Bitcoin. Um, but it, we don't invest in the U.S. dollar either. What? Well, that's true. That's true. We don't own, we don't, we don't own the U.S. dollar we don't, in we, our portfolios. We don't currencies. But, but uh, well, and, and I'm not saying Bitcoin's a currency. 
Uh, and ever since the ETFs have come out, I think it's been down both days uh, since since the since it's since it's gone yeah. public. Bitcoin was uh, down I, almost six percent. I mean, if you want to put a hundred bucks in it and stick it in your IRA, and you're 25 years old, and you know you want to see what it might be when you retire uh, 40 years from now, and and all these folks that say it, I want to say I heard what's that? What's the lady's name that runs that tech firm that they're constantly talking about? Kathy Woods. I'm talking about Kathy Woods. Thank you. Talking about some kind of million dollar valuation in 10 years on on one Bitcoin. I mean, wh- where does it, where does that fantasy come? I mean, what? Uh, where how does many that fools? Come from? How many fools what? can drive them? Yeah, based exactly. on foolishness. How, based on how foolishness. Many, how? Because because in order to make money, it someone else has to be willing to pay more for it. Not based on their earnings or their growth or the product they sell, the service they provide. Somebody else has to come in and say, "All right, I'm willing to pay an extra ten cents for that." You sell it to me, I'll give you ten cents more. You know that that they, they got to keep bringing in people at a higher and higher price for the thing to go up, based on no hey, earnings, Jeff. based on no product, no service. Yes, Kyle. I, I've got something that's even better than Bitcoin. This pin in my hand, this pin in my hand, it writes, it has a function, right. and I will sell it to you for fifty thousand dollars. This is right. a deal. Sold. I just got to find You're somebody else to pay me fifty thousand and a penny for it. And make, oh, try to okay. make some money. Yeah, there you go. But but this so, this this pin actually has a higher value than Bitcoin because you can actually it's tangible. You can hold it. You can use it for something. Right. It is can do something with it. Um, so sick of so Bitcoin. As we found, as we say, PayPal. as we say with any investment, unless it's cash or government bonds, that we don't recommend having any or or an exchange traded fund. Or, or a diversified mutual fund. We don't, we don't recommend having any more than 5% of your portfolio in any one sort of and I'm, investment. Though I'm, you know, whether I want to call it this ETF, uh, an investment or not, they've certainly legitimized it this week with the, uh, with all these ETFs that are going to be trading it now. Uh, but there's no plans to have any in any of our investors money. Uh, invested in this in that particular instrument. Any, yeah, I I, I don't know ever to me personally. It's, it's, just, it's there's it's so many trading, other things. Yeah. so many other things to put money into. It's a trading vehicle based uh, and really marketed to the pie in the sky of get rid getting rich quick. You know, that's who it's really marketed towards is the getting rich quick. And, you know, they might say, oh, well, Larry Fink of BlackRock is in it and blah, 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 blah. Guess what? They're just looking to make money. They're going to make money on both sides of it. That's all they're looking to do is find fools to buy it. But you know what's probably coming down the road is something that will short these ETFs. And maybe we should look into some of those. (laughs) Do a collar on an ETF? I don't know. I have a very very strong opinion, Jeff. That article that you found a couple of years ago on digital currencies, I have emailed that out to multiple clients. Even another friend of mine who's a portfolio manager thought it was one of the best articles, and you mentioned it and said this is the best thing I've ever read. It is absolutely the best thing I've ever read about. And, And, again, another big reason why we steer clear of these, you know, fictitious, made-up digital currencies. 
If anybody would like to read that article, just email us at moneywise at davidsoncap.com, and we will forward it to you. I know yeah. there's probably thousands and thousands of more out there on the Internet, pro and con um, for Bitcoin. But you know, the SEC this week has, uh, for better or worse, legitimized uh, the casino that is Bitcoin for all investors to uh, invest in. I wonder where Gary so we'll Gensler's going. I wonder where Gary Gensler's going after he leaves the SEC. Hmm. <laughs> Probably BlackRock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in this weekend's Moneywise program, I actually spent most of the first segment of this weekend's show talking about the Bitcoin ETF that was finally approved by a Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, they had a little bit of an embarrassing situation earlier in the week because someone had hacked into their X account, formerly known as Twitter, and said the day before it was approved that it was already approved. Uh, Bitcoin and some of the cryptocurrencies bounced about 2%. And Gary Ginsler, chairman of the SEC, came out and said, we got hacked. And then following the very next day, okay, we went ahead and approved it. Um so it was kind of all to do about nothing. And and again, for anyone that was listening to the last segment, I'm very opinionated when it comes to cryptocurrency. I'm not a fan by any way, shape, or form. The late, great Charlie Munger summed it up best, and because he used profanity describing digital currencies, I will keep that off of this show because I don't want to say one of the seven deadlies because we are on terrestrial radio. But I follow the late, great Charlie Munger's uh, opinion about digital currency. So I'll just leave it at that. But some of the other big news, unless you wanted to add anything else to that, Jeff, Joe? Yeah, it's just it's just buyer beware. Yeah, buyer, buyer beware. beware. It's a speculative investment. It is only appropriate uh, for for a portfolio that that ha- that can handle a speculative investment. It should be a very tiny part of your investable net worth to be to be in that particular instrument. Yes, so you're saying sir. less than five percent, which is what we normally talk when we talk about. Bitcoin, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to buy Bitcoin. You know, I would even like, say less. less just less say than people, you know, five, five is the absolute most for probably the vast majority of the people listening to our show who may be within ten years before retirement or have been in retirement for a number of years. Uh, it's probably a lot less. Those that have already retired, you know, I think you'd have more fun going to Vegas with the money rather than putting it in, in a Bitcoin ETF. At least you could have, you know, have some fun with it. But I, I just, it's not, it's not something that, that I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day in any of our portfolios because there's just so many other things out there to buy 
so many other things that, that make that make sense. Yeah, that you makes know, sense. I, I understand. I understand. You know what? Uh, uh, if if we had Intel in our portfolio, I understand what they do. Or you know what we were ta- just talking about for uh, United Healthcare on this segment, United Healthcare, whose earnings came out mm-hmm. on Friday. I I know what we all know what they do. Uh, so they they have they have earnings, they have employees, they they pay dividends. You, you know they they pay taxes. They're they're contribute to society. I, I don't know where, you know where Bitcoin necessarily contributes the to society. Yes, they, they, they contribute to the underbelly well, of society. It, it's, kind, it's kind of like even though it's been around a while. Remember the tech bubble? The tech bubble burst. We had the same situ- We had the same situation with earnings, balance sheets. You know it. it anyways. It's, yeah. Well, it's, here, here, here's the one other thing I'm gonna I'm gonna add to this is that if anyone listening to this program is investing with the mindset of I want to get rich quick, you're coming into the world of investing with the absolute wrong mindset, because to 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 really gain and earn wealth investing, you have to take that long-term perspective. And people with the mindset, investors with the mindset is, I want to get rich quick. They're constantly swinging for the fences. And it's just like being a baseball player going up to the plate. If you're up there just swinging for home runs, most of the time you're going to be striking out. And occasionally you might hit one over the fence, but more often than not, you're going to be striking out. And it's the same mentality with the get-rich-quick with investing on Wall Street. You have to take that long-term perspective. Well, yeah, so you're saying don't be a Pete Incavilia. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Man, I have heard that in years. You are definitely aging yourself on that when you're talking about Inky. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. He, he wow. That's a child for Bitcoin. That's okay. Yeah, that's is right. He, that's right. Sorry. Who knows? So another. So we we start. We just started getting some earnings this week. Also, mostly the big money center banks came out Thursday and Friday, and I must say the the bag on the, well, I guess the takeaway from those earnings reports. Is kind of ho hum, and you know, City Citigroup, which has been in the dumpster for I don't know how many years, uh, is going to go through another restructuring, and they're going to lay off ten percent of their workforce. That was announced on Friday. Uh, I think you know, J.P. Morgan even got caught up with it. You know, big charge affecting uh, their earnings. I think Bank of America's were okay, uh, but wasn't any yeah the the. There wasn't a lot to write home about when it came to those those bank earnings. I don't. I think expectations were pretty low, and they were met. And the markets, uh, other than oh, the Dow I being affected on it on Friday, the S and P and the Nasdaq were, were, I think, were both up on Friday and managed it and and did well. You know, here we go again with the Dow underperforming uh, the major the major indexes. I know it's only been two trading weeks. Uh, but uh, these contributors, I would say, is of course what happened with Boeing and the door plug, and then also United Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they definitely pre market on Friday were were doing much worse than actually how they closed. And what's amazing about United Healthcare is they absolutely just smoked their year over year numbers and some of the matrix from their earnings and revenue uh, revenue sectors were in some. Instances up 20, 30 percent, 20 or 30 percent year over year. It was one teeny tiny little matrix on managed healthcare costs that was above expectation. 
and that's what caused some, I guess, some selling from the trading community. But as far as their underlying revenue streams, strong, very, very strong. And we, and for disclosure purposes, we own United Healthcare. We've owned it for a very long time in our portfolios over quite a few number of years. You know, we feel it's one of the best, you know, health insurance providers in the country from a stock standpoint and a company standpoint. So what's the other news for the week, Kyle? Well, it's going to be the CPI, Consumer Price Index and Producer Price yeah. Index that came out this past week. And But but back to the bank earnings, Jeff, ho-hum is the best way to describe how those earnings were received by the market. Best way to describe it. So it was a little bit, a little bit uh, around that nothing burger. But, um, but yeah, so we had uh, CPI and PPI come out. And I don't know if you had the stats. I know I pulled them. Um, looking at the consumer price index, it uh, it was year over year at 3.35%. Uh, so, again, it's continuing to move down. Now, the core CPI, it was up three-tenths of 1% month over month. And the core CPI year over year is at 3.9%. So we've finally gotten rid of that four-handle. Uh, for the consumer price index, I mean, we were in November at 3.99. They rounded it up to four. So, but this was handily in the three handle range for the core CPI. So the December, this number that came out is for December the month of December. It was a little hotter than expected. There wasn't a lot of market reaction about it. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one of these situations where, oh, well. We, we're not going to get – the market is still expecting, a, I don't know, three, four interest rate cuts this year. I, I've lost count. There wasn't anyone coming out of the woodwork saying that that's all off the table now because of that one number. Uh, the, the producer so, price index was, was the real well, eye-opener. Yeah. Well, you know, one, quick, because, one quick point. I mean, now there are a lot of pundits that are saying there's a 60% chance that they're going to start cutting rates in March. I think that's going to be well below the 60% estimate or guess, you know, and I haven't seen any, any, any numbers yet, but. Well, a month ago, Joe, that was 87%. You know, there was an 87% chance they're going to be cutting in March when we're getting to the, yeah, which we were, you know, in December. So the, the percentages are definitely lower. Yeah, Jeff. I'm going to say I, I'm going to say it's a zero percent chance they're going to cut in March. Yeah, zero. Zero. I'll give it a neg. I'll actually I'll give it a minus ten. We have some. They're going to be cutting. There's just it's not going to happen. There's not. There, why? It's too soon. I, it's just too. It's just too soon. And, and, the, core is still, and the core is still at three point nine. So we're still one point nine percent above the Fed, where the Fed really wants to be. Now on the producer price index, that came in below expectations as far as month over month growth. It was flat, but the year over year producer price index was one point seven six percent, and that's below the long term average of two point five nine. So the the question is, when are these producers, when are these product makers going to start providing some price relief to the consumers? Because as we've talked about on this program for a, you know more almost a year now, is that the producers and the product makers they're using inflation as an excuse to continue to charge high prices, even though their costs are now below two percent and well below the historic norm, and so they're just going to continue to pad their profit margins and their overall margins and 
you know, it's time to start seeing some relief from those producers when it comes to prices in the stores. Well, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in this weekend's Moneywise program, last segment we were going over, you know, some of the other big news of this past week was the consumer price index and producer price index. Just to recap, the core consumer price index. Year over year for the month of December was up 3.9%. But what was really surprising, well, I say totally surprising, but the big kind of dichotomy in costs are for the producer price index, which came in year over year through the month of December at 1.76%. Now, the, the last time we saw the producer price index this low was January of 2021. So as we were going into break, I was talking about that disconnect. The input cost for the producers is definitely below that 2% mandate, but I think they're still using inflation as an excuse and why we're seeing the core consumer price index on the purchasing side for all of us you know, out there in the United States at 3.9%. And so it's... You know, again, padding of the profit margins, you know, padding of their balance sheets. It's time to start bringing this more in line and start seeing some price relief. I, so I, maybe with a new president, we'll see one. I I don't think so. I think everything just resets to this higher higher level. Yeah. I mean, any any pricing everyone going, gets used to it. Any any pricing going back the other way will be very subtle. Well, uh, I mean, I mean, there could be specific products or services where there's a lot of competition and then your competition, you know, reduces their price. And so then you got to go meet that price. But I don't know how many products or services that that really involves. But I think when you have this, this rapid rise, this, this rise over time and, and costs of life, I mean, just everything, those prices typically don't go back the other way they just the rate of growth at which they had been coming up previously slows well and yeah, the, what's the incentive if you have wage increases that's starting to outpace inflation a little bit there's not a big incentive for them to do it so that's true you know i mean that, that that's true because they they want to continue to keep their bottom line very very healthy uh but but again this also leads to how long it's going to take to get cpi back to the fed's mandate of 2% and why we've been talking about for well more than a year that the Fed needs to reset their mandate and get it off this 2%. Because if the long, if the long term CPI is 3.28%, that's the long term, long, long term of the consumer price index. Why is the Fed not bumping it up to three? You know, so, that's the it, question we've been asking in this program for a very long time. The, the topic of inflation as a market moving um, topic it just 
it, it seems to be losing some of its uh, interest. Theme. The market is 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 more interested now to me in earnings. And here in the next few months, it's going to be all about the election and and, their, and how how those portfolio allocations, uh, stock selection, how is that going to figure into uh, trying to figure out if we're going to have, is it going to be a Biden administration? Is it going to be uh, a Trump administration or whoever the Republican nominee is? And how does that affect portfolios? I found some very interesting statistics, none of which uh, any of us are going to particularly care for. Uh, there was one, one uh, since 1952, if there wasn't a recession in the two years prior to the election, the incumbent president was reelected every time. Now, we haven't had a recession in the last two years, right? So um, if, if, in fact, if, in fact, Biden loses – that uh, that would that would break that particular string that goes back seven. That that's a seventy year statistic. It's a pretty obscure statistics. I will I will grant that to you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we've got a totally unique situation when it comes to the election, uh, more unique than any of the other elections that I've ever uh, uh, witnessed. But I think that's going to that may be playing into portfolio positioning as we get in get into the summer. But I am not you know. I I wasn't on last week's show where we had a technical issue and didn't have last week's show. I know we need to get into all of our predictions for the year. And I, maybe I'll just start off with mine here. I've got, uh, and I'll just give you my predictions for the year. Cause I guess what? I bet you it's going to be the lowest predictions out of all three of us. Uh, <clears throat> because that, that was what I that's where I was positioned last year. And I guess I'm going to keep up my, uh, uh, slightly a less enthusiastic bias for performance in 2024. I think the Dow will again be the lagger of the three when it comes to the major indexes. And I have, I have the Dow up 5% this year, the S and P up seven, which is actually the average going back 70 years in an election year for the S and P is 7%. And the NASDAQ 10% up for the year. Uh, the 10 year treasury which we started the year uh, with a yield of 3866. I think it'll get to about 375 this year. I don't think it's going to be substantially lower in terms of yield by the end of the year. And for the first time since 2018, I, I did a, I did a kind of a fun little prediction for the Dow Jones Industrial Average on a stock that I thought was going to come out for sure, and that was General Electric, and it turned out, I think it was what less than six months later it did come out of the Dow. I've actually got two stocks. It's been three years, I believe, since the, the since the Dow last changed any of the components of the index. And so I, this year for 2024, I have two stocks that are going to come out, I believe, at the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And one of those is Verizon, and the other one is Intel. And the reason on really? both of those, you think yes, Intel's going to be coming out. Okay, well, here's here's why. What is the performance? When did Intel go into the Dow? I know y'all don't know the answer to this. It was it That's was in nineteen ninety nine. Okay, it was in nineteen ninety nine. Now, how much is Intel up since it went into the Dow? Over those twenty, now it'll be it'll be twenty five years if it goes out this year. Uh, it's up. See. It's up less than fifteen percent over those twenty-five years. Total Jeez. change price change on Intel. 
Now, Verizon uh, has been in the Dow for 20 years. It went in in 2004, and it also is up like 15% total. Now, when I say total, I'm just talking about the price change of the stock itself over those 20 years. Now, that is poor, P-O-O-R, poor for both of those stocks. I can tell you this. Hold on. I'm not done. Just hold on. All right. Uh, Verizon was a perennial underperformer in the up years of 2020 and 2021 and last year. So I think those two. Those two stocks will come out. I, yeah, I thought hey, we'll, we'll just replace Intel with Nvidia. Now the problem is, is that Dow, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index, and if Nvidia went in, it would now be the most expensive stock in the index, I believe, by by far. Um, but I think that would be an interesting switch, don't you? Trade out Intel for the the big, you know, the big leader the in AI, stock? the future. Yeah, the the, the future of stock. AI, Nvidia. That would be an interesting United, change. United Healthcare is just a little bit bigger on a price-weighted basis than NVIDIA okay. as of Friday's close. Not Pardon slight. me. Few, Pardon few, me. A few dollars. A few dollars. Pardon but talking about Intel, Intel has not gotten back to its August 31st, 2000 right. high, which exactly. was a closing high of $74.88. Right. It closed on Friday at $47.12. I mean, I could so. say the same thing for you know Cisco, uh, which went in in 2009. But I thought those two stocks were some of the worst performers. And so that, that's my fun prediction for the year, that those two stocks will come out of the Dow and there'll be, <clears throat> there'll be uh, so, two new ones coming am, in. Am, am I going to go and then Kyle will go? Sure. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I, I wasn't taking a stab at the Dow, but I'm going to go seven on the Dow. And I'm going to go 17% on the NASDAQ. And I talked about it, well, on the show that wasn't the show. And we talked about the averages. The show that wasn't the show. The show that wasn't the show. (laughs) The last three years, the stock market or the S&P has averaged right around 12.3%. And keep in mind, this is with Biden at the helm, um, Sleepy Joe at the helm of our country the last three years. And so I'm going to go with 12, which, by the way, is what usually the start the S&P will uh, return in an election year. So I'm going with 12. And I my dark horse, and even though it's there's different predictions on on the uh, financial entertainment press, as Kyle used to call it, I'm going to go with the leading. And I don't know what my number is, but I think the small caps in the Russell uh, is going to be the outperformer. The Let's leading asset class. Yep. Well, I, you know, since we're, we're, we we got a, we got a minute left before the next break, I'm going to say for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, it is going to be up 9% for 2024 with the S&P coming in at 14%. And I think the NASDAQ is going to be the leading index up 18% for 2024. I agree with Jeff, the 10-year Treasury at 375. He hit my number exactly. And so that would be... My prediction, as far as small cap being the leading asset class, um, I think it's going to do well. I don't know if it's going to be the leading asset class, but I think it'll definitely be in the top three for 2024. Well, with that, let's take our next commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments, and don't forget to like the show. So in our last segment of the first hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, I want to shift gears a little bit, go into some investor education. Now, as we talk about in our intros of this program and have for now 19 years that we've been doing the Money Wise program, our portfolio reviews and analysis, and I know, Joe, you've been working with a prospect in San Antonio that came to us, it was, was referred to us, uh, from someone that knows about our firm, and so you started working on the review and found something that we haven't seen, um, and for me, I haven't seen it in probably more than a decade, so I wanted you to fill in the listeners of <laughs> kind of what you what you saw, what you're seeing, yeah, and provide that education, but the reason why we provide these portfolio reviews and analysis is to get that second opinion from real asset managers. You know, at Davidson Capital Management, we make all the investment decisions in-house. When you're listening to the program, you're listening to real portfolio managers making real investment decisions in real market time. We don't ship any of these investment decisions out to somebody else. We do it all in-house and been doing it in-house for the last 35 years. And between Joe, myself, and Jeff, um, who had to drop off for this last segment due to technical issues, so it's just me and you, Joe, um, just the two of us. You know, we, yeah, just the two of us, you know, approaching 80 years of combined investment management experience. So <laughs> fill in our listeners of kind of the, the good, the bad, the ugly. I don't even know if there's really a lot of good in the review, but definitely bad and ugly. So, Sure. And, and in doing the reviews, I've been at the firm a little over six years, and I haven't seen this before. And, you know, and I had to ask Jeff and Kyle if they have either, and, and they both said, and it's been a while. It's, like been, a, it's been a long time it's, for it's me. It's been about a decade, but in the process of doing this review, yes, we're going to take a look at all the different accounts, the IRAs. Well, the first thing I look at is, in this particular, this particular uh, client, they've got not one, not two, not three, not four, but five annuities. And I know a little bit about the annuity companies. And of course, we do a portfolio review, but part of that is doing what we call maybe an annuity analysis. The annuity analysis part of the review. But in doing this, I'm just going to take one example because it would take me literally almost two segments to go over all the different riders, all the guarantees, <laughs> all the different investment strategies within this. I'm just going to take one. But anyways, we're looking at this particular annuity. And well, hold on. Let me, let me. Yeah. Hold on, let me let me just interrupt just real quick, you know, because the word guarantee, annuities do not guarantee anything, they promise, and it's the promise of the claims paying ability of the actual insurance company. So I, so I just and, want to get that clear. Yes. And for any longtime listener of the Money Wise program, know that the Money Wise guys hate annuities of all shapes and forms. Well, the guarantee, the guarantees, you're probably going to have to use the guarantee if they're managed the way this annuity is, okay, as far as an asset <laughs> allocation standpoint. So I'm looking at this, and over the one, first thing to look at it is the fees, right? So we have computer software 
the morning star, we can go dig and we can dig into the fees. And the fees I'm looking at are 3%. Of that 3%, 1.4% of it is just a guaranteed living benefit. And I won't go over the details of that, but they're expensive. They've gotten a lot more expensive over the last 15 years. I was kind of shocked and taken back how expensive it was. But when I looked at that, I said, all right, if you're going to pay all these expenses, this portfolio needs to be at least 60, really 70% stocks. Well, it's not. It's flipped. It's it's 40% cash and bonds and about 60%. Yeah. Uh, I'm it's, sorry. It's the other 40% way. 40% stocks roughly and 60% cash and some kind of alternative but i'm looking into this and, and fixed income so it's it's income. it's 40 60 yeah and, and there's 10 holdings right 10 of them one of them is 50 percent sub account 50 50 percent of the portfolio all right and it's proprietary and it's in a asset allocation fund a balance fund well guess what out of the 10 Holdings, two more are in balance funds. There's really nothing being managed here. No small cap, no mid cap, no sectors, just straight asset allocation funds, large cap growth, large cap value, and 9% of the portfolio is international. And my point being is you're going to need the guarantees because you're not going to make any money at all with that allocation. <laughs> well, wow. and, and, here's, and, and here's the coup de grace about – not only the allocation being 40% stock, 60% fixed income and cash, but of that 40% stock, 10% is overseas, which has been dramatically underperforming the domestic U.S. stock market for more than 10 years. But the real coup de grace when you did this portfolio review, Joe, and showed me the Morningstar analysis and what just flew off of the page of me is this particular prospective client of this portfolio – 50%, 50%, over half of that 40% allocation to stock is in a balanced sub-account in this annuity that has not had a positive return from the inception of this portfolio dating back to 2016. So over half of the equity allocation is in a position that has a negative 1.85% since 2016. It's five-year number, it's negative. It's three-year number, is negative. So like you said, Joe, you're going to have to use this quote-unquote guarantee from this insurance company that you're paying over 1.4% for every single year because the investment portfolio is sure not delivering. Well, and, and looking at Morningstar, you know, from what we can tell, that's what the track record is. But I think the biggest point being is that 1.4% guarantee living benefit rider that you have is killing your performance. Even if the rest of the performance was okay, that's the whole point is we used to call well, them, you get to get a 7% rate of return and an annuity or a 6% rate of return. Let's just say seven. You got to get 10 to get six. You got to get nine. And there's no way on God's green earth you're doing that in the allocation that I'm looking at right now. Just not and, happening. And, and, and here's something else. This century, the S&P 500 with dividends reinvested has returned through 2023, has returned an annualized rate of return with dividends invest, reinvested of 6.93%. 
So if that's what a 100% stock index of the S&P 500 has done, just like you said, Joe, because of these exorbitant fees and annuities, which is one of a multitude of reasons why we hate annuities of any shape or form, and any person listening to this show should not own them and definitely should not buy them. And trust me, you sit down with somebody that's going to sell you an annuity, they're going to give you with the silver tongue of all the reasons why you have to own this, and they're going to be using the word guaranteed right out of their mouth. It is not guaranteed. It's a problem of the claims paying ability of the insurance company. So you have to keep that in mind. But the whole point of this segment is the reason why receiving a portfolio review and analysis from the Money Wise guys is so incredibly critical to get that second opinion from actual money managers. That's not going to tell you what you want to hear. We're going to tell you what you need to hear when it comes to your portfolio. Well, with that, we're coming up to the top of the hour break, so we're going to take the break, go into the news, and when we come back, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with more investor education, so stay tuned, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on Money Wise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070. Or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two. And if you have an investment related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Money Wise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at DavidsonCap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, as as we like to utilize every second hour of the Money Wise program going into investor education, and any longtime listeners of the program know that we definitely love our top ten lists. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of an ode to uh, to David Letterman. Uh, but we have a top ten list for this afternoon's show called the Ten Myths of Retirement Planning. And so we'll dive right in with myth number one. And that first myth is you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. Now, this I would say the financial entertainment press, the legacy distribution system for Years and years and years, as long as I've been in the business, which you know for me is coming up on 16 years I've been doing this, they have the kind of industry standard that you only need 70 to 80% of what you're currently earning while you're working in retirement to maintain your lifestyle once you are in retirement. And, you know, very honestly, what I try to educate prospective clients uh, that come in here to Davidson Capital Management is that we don't abide by that 70 to 80% of your current income in retirement to maintain your lifestyle. In fact, 
most instances, I say you need 95 to 100 percent of what you're currently earning now. You need to be able to withdraw that same amount of money in retirement from your nest egg in order to maintain your lifestyle. Because the one, I think, variable that the legacy distribution system doesn't uh, calculate, doesn't uh, put into their calculation or account for is the fact that what's the one thing that you have a heck of a lot more of in retirement than you do during your working years? Leisure time. That's right. You have a lot more leisure time, so you have more time to travel. If you're into hunting, fishing, golfing, those are not cheap hobbies by any stretch of the imagination. Or now you're getting into new hobbies that take more time and more money. And so, you know, that myth that you don't need as much money in retirement as you do right now, again, I think is a complete myth and it's complete bogus. Do you want to add something, Jeff? Well, Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say also medical expenses. That's the one thing that uh, that's really the X factor, the unknown factor as you get older because that's, that's true. definitely going up. Well, that's true. We don't know the, the inflationary costs of medical care. Obviously, as you get older, you need more and more attention from healthcare professionals. Uh, but I think something else, Dad, that, that's a big unknown that's out there, and I think um, – I'm not even going out of limb on saying this, but with with the deficits that we currently face and the national debt, I mean, to say that taxes are going to be going down in the future, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And so I think retirees are folks that are working towards retirement and building their nest egg. That's something that they need to keep keep in the back of their mind is, you know, they shouldn't anticipate, oh, well, I'm going to only have a 10 or 12 percent effective tax rate in retirement because nobody knows what their tax rate is going to be, and again, we're assuming that taxes will be going up as far as the eye can see because of the deficits, because of the national debt that we have. I think maybe turning this myth around and turning it into a question is something that we at Davidson Capital Management do time and again when we're meeting with prospective clients, and they ask this question, well, what do you think the portfolio can produce an income in retirement. They may maybe the, the maybe you don't know exactly what you think you will need, but maybe if you had an estimate of what the what your portfolio might produce if you were to retire right now or if you were to retire say 10 years from now at a certain rate of return based on the portfolio nest egg that you have right now and then apply our maximum withdrawal rate here that we have at our firm of 7% a year and say, do you think this number will be enough money for you to retire on uh, when you reach retirement years? Let's say that the, the that they bring a portfolio of a certain size, and we and we estimate that it'll grow at seven to eight percent a year for another ten years. And the number we start off with is a million dollars. We'll just round it off. Well, at our maximum rate of withdrawal, that's seventy thousand dollars a year, seven percent of a million dollars. So. Is is seventy thousand? Do you think seventy thousand dollars a year, based on a one million dollar portfolio, will be enough to keep your lifestyle where it is right now? If we find that there's that the the client is spending a hundred and forty thousand dollars a year on their lifestyle, then seventy thousand dollars in retirement. We're not even taking into account any Social Security, of course might not be enough to support their current lifestyle. So now we now we got to now we got to look at okay, are we going to start saving more now 
to increase that nest egg size so that we can get a little closer to uh, to that target uh, income? Or do we need to think about uh, lowering living lo- expenses, lowering, lowering, lowering liver expenses, lowering expectations uh, for income in retirement? All three. Well, I, Maybe I think all three. I think one thing that a lot of retirees can get or pre-retirees can get in trouble is they go in with expectations that well, my portfolio needs to be designed to where I'm I'm outperforming the S and P 500 each and every year. And if you're creating a financial plan that takes that scenario in, 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 into effect, that is extremely, extremely dangerous. And by saying that I need to have my portfolio outperforming the S&P each and every year, it's unrealistic. It's very unrealistic. And the one, one of the big problems that pre-retirees have going into maybe a professional asset manager relationship is they have unrealistic expectations, and what they need to do is they need to establish a goal, a plan. You know, my goal for this money is to grow 8% per year. Like you said, Jeff, let's sit down and work out a plan, and what are your goals, and say, okay, if you only need to earn 7 maybe 8% annualized you know, after all fees and expenses for a lengthy period of time, let's say the next 10 or 15 years, to have a comfortable retirement, then that's really what you should focus on and how you should position your portfolio and allocate it. But if you're the type of investor that's like, i got to beat the S&P each and every year, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and failure because it is next to impossible to do. Well, when we come back from the break, I want to take a different approach. That's that's one type of client that we see uh, here at Davidson Capital, but there's also another type I want to talk about when we come back. Okay, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send our emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we're focusing on the second hour of this weekend's program, the 10 myths of retirement planning. We're actually still working on myth number one, uh, that myth again. Uh, you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. And so we were talking before we went to break about setting goals, and having appropriate goals in place and appropriate expectations in place with your nest egg as you're going into retirement. And, Jeff, I know you wanted to add a little bit to that. Well, that is that is one. We see this that this type of scenario with some prospective clients that are looking for maximum performance. They're, they're, they're very much focused on performance, and we understand that. But I think... Another type of client that we that we're seeing, and maybe this is an offshoot of of the, of the new target date funds that have been out here about the last ten years, and that's this assumption that as I get closer and closer to retirement, I need to have more and more of my money in in bond investments and in fixed income investments, and less and less in stock because I need to be taking less risk. And so, by having more money in fixed income, well, that would be traditionally saying, well, I'm taking less risk. Well. That's all fine and good in a normal interest rate environment, and I use that in quotations. But 
This is not a normal interest Definitely rate Definitely not normal. And we have not had a normal interest rate environment for a very long time. And it appears that we may not have a normal interest rate environment for a number of years into the future. So <clears throat> having a asset allocation strategy that as I'm approaching retirement, I need to have less than what we would recommend an, uh, an allocation in stocks in the current rate environment and more of an allocation to bonds, but yet still have a uh, expected rate of return of 8% is not realistic. Mm-hmm. It's not realistic at all. And so m- maybe the two tie together is about having realistic expectations and understanding that in order to deliver those expectations, you have to have a certain ratio of stocks to bonds based on the existing current interest rate environment. Yes, Doug? Well, just say we were looking at a traditional balanced account, which in the old days would be 60% stock, 40% bond. Well, if you're at a 10% return in stocks, that means you're going to get 6% from your stock side of the portfolio. The problem is the 40% that would be sitting in bonds with a 10-year bond, you know, slightly, you know, less than three, you're you're not getting up to the 7%, which we have seen is a safe withdrawal rate going back our 25 years. But and it's because of the bond component. The bond component right now is changing the math on what people need for retirement. But I don't think the retirees are picking up on that fact, Dad. I, I don't think they are. And when you're talking about target date funds putting more money into bonds as people approach retirement, what is the most dangerous asset class out there right now? It is bonds. Fixed income. Because we don't know very how few the people Fed, say Very, very few people would say that. No, I, nobody would say that. I don't think other than people that run bonds like us. We either know, than us. Either we, than us. We know. We know that it's dangerous. You get the Bill Grosses of the world that come out and say it's a new normal. They don't want to come out and say it's a new bubble. They don't want to say the bubble word connected with bonds. So are we moving on to myth number two? Myth number two. Myth number two. My retirement years won't last that long. The fact is, today's today, individuals in their 50s and 60s, of course, are generally healthier than previous generations. So if you're 65 years old right now, your life expectancy is approximately 21 years. And with a life expectancy of 21 years means that you have a 50% chance of dying by year 21 and a 50% chance of living longer. So if you're 65 right now, you have a 50-50 chance of of living past 86 years old. And so that, again, goes along with creating that plan and having your goals and realizing, is my nest egg sufficient enough to sustain me till I'm 86 and or till I'm 95? And if you and have, nobody knows. And if you have a 7% rate of withdrawal in your portfolio and you've got a 100% fixed income earning you 2%, you're not going to get there. It's not, it may not last 21 years. You know, as I always as I say to prospective clients, if we all knew when the last day on this earth would be for each one of us, man, retirement planning would be so much easier. But unfortunately, and I guess fortunately, we don't know when that day is going to be. No, myth number three, you can afford to start planning for your retirement a few years before your retirement date. In fact, it is never too soon to begin planning for retirement. Time is one of the most powerful tools in the accumulation of wealth. The sooner you start to accumulate assets and plan for your retirement years, the better. 
the less you will need to set aside each year in order to achieve the same objective. Now, I've talked about this over and over and over again for a number of years using the example of someone that was just fresh out of college, that just graduated, just got their diploma, and they get their first job. And if they had a, if they, this, this, this $1 million goal to have in your, in your retirement years, you start off your retirement with a one, $1 million nest egg, if you started saving when you were 21, 22 years old and you save for 40 years to get to 62, the, you would have to save what amounts to about a, skipping lunch every day. Brown bagging out, it. By brown. brown bagging it going to work. About, about $8 a day, it's like $250 a month. If you save that amount of money at 22 years old and you never change it, you would accumulate you would accumulate about a million dollars at an eight percent compounded rate of return. You know what our listeners can do? They can just go into Google and Google the term "time value of money" and read the explanation. I mean, it's very very simple. And and again, if you're someone who's in their forties, maybe in their early fifties, and you haven't started saving for retirement, I mean, this is when you need to buckle down and start putting the pedal to the metal uh, to to try to save as much as possible. It's never too late. As we've always said on the radio show, pay yourself first. But this myth number three rolls right into myth number four for those individuals that have failed to plan for their retirement. And that myth number four is that Social Security will provide enough income for my retirement years. Bottom line, Social Security accounts for approximately 38% of the average retiree of the average retiree's income. So. Uh, you know, you're you're talking, you know, sixty two percent that still needs to be made up. And 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 again, to be very blunt, if you're relying on the federal government to take care of you in retirement, again, you are setting yourself up for failure. We all know the Social Security system is broken. It needs a substantial overhaul. Um, the fact that Social Security benefits with cost of living adjustments or COLA for short, have become smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. Um, if you're one of those individuals that's just relying on Social Security to take care of you, again, you're planning for failure in your retirement years and possibly working to the day that you die. You have to start planning and you have to start putting away. You know, if you follow myth number three, then you're going to wind up falling into the trap of myth number four. So myth number five, I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. Boy, this is extremely, extremely dangerous to think that a traditional pension or defined benefit plan is going to take care of you throughout the rest of your retirement years. And, and again, as, as we all know, uh, with the invention of the 401k through the Tax Reform Act of 1978, this is where corporate America has been going. They've been shifting away from the defined benefit plan. So there might only be a handful of listeners of this weekend's program that have the luxury of having a defined benefit plan. But we have always recommended at Davidson Capital Management that if you have the ability to take a cash 
lump sum distribution from your pension. And the and the way that you can do that is, first off, your pension has to have over an 80% uh, funding rate by the corporation to take a 100% lump sum. And then if it has a 60 to 80% funded rate from the corporation, you can take a partial lump sum distribution. And then any pension that's less than 60% funded, you're going to have to take the pension payment. And I know, you know, one particular organization here in town that falls in that category of having an underfunded pension. But, you know, the one thing that they don't tell you when they give you the options that you can select at time of retirement, whether to take a lump sum or to take the annuity payments from your pension, is that these pension payments are not adjusted for inflation. So maybe that fifteen hundred so that fifteen hundred dollars that you started receiving in your pension on month one and year one is going to be buying a heck of a lot less goods and services ten years from now. And I think that's one area that retirees forget. That monetary inflation is eroding your purchasing power and once you start taking that pension payment, there's no going back. You're done. You're locked out. That's what you're going to be getting for the rest of your life. And it's not adjusted for inflation, so each and every month that goes by, you're going to be able to buy a little less goods and services. So you need to keep that in the back of your mind, and that's one main reason, one huge reason why we recommend to take a lump sum distribution, if you can, from your traditional pension. With that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we've been talking this hour about the 10 myths the ten myths of retirement planning. Um, we've gotten to myth, and we came to the bottom of the hour break. We're on myth number five, uh, which was I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. And as we went to break, was talking about what we recommend to prospective clients at Davidson Capital Management when you can take the lump sum distribution from your pension to do that, for one, so you now have full, complete control of those assets. Also, so you can put those assets to work for you in an allocation model that can provide you with growth and something that's going to be appropriate for you to help make that money last your entire uh, lifespan in retirement, but also to help combat, combat monetary inflation. Because again, that's one thing that the pension provider is not going to tell you at a pre-retirement meeting is that once you annuitize that pension and start taking that monthly check, that's the check that you're going to continue to receive. It's not going to be adjusted for inflation. And so that $1,500, as an example, that you start receiving each and every month will buy less goods and services as every month goes by. So imagine, and think of it very easily, will $1,500 20 years ago buy the same amount of goods and service as it does today? No, because of monetary inflation. That is the one thing that is not discussed enough with pre-retirees. It's one aspect 
uh, of the market that that individuals don't think about a lot and why I've always been a big advocate that every brokerage statement across this country should have a notation of what monetary inflation was for that reporting period so they realize, oh, I did lose a little bit of value in my CD because of monetary inflation or I lost value of my money sitting in cash in the bank vault because of monetary inflation. It, it affects pensions the exact same way. So myth number six, Medicare will take care of my health insurance. And I'm glad that this is on the list of myths because this is a conversation I have when I go through my financial road mapping exercises with clients. When we work with our clients that are working towards that retirement I don't want to say retirement goal line. I would say retirement is the 50-yard line. So as they're working to the 50-yard line of the field to go into retirement, when I start, when I have our clients work on their monthly budgets, I always want them to put in some type of figure for supplemental insurance to Medicare. I always tell our clients that do not rely 100% on Medicare. And you know the bottom line is, is that Medicare pays less than half of a typical retiree's medical bills and that you have to have a supplemental plan. And, Dad, I mean, you're absolutely. you're an absolute authority on this. No, no, because, no, that's, you're absolutely correct, Kyle. And so I always want to build into a retirement budget, and this is, again, an exercise for any pre-retiree that's working on their monthly budget to include, what do you pay, around four uh, $500 a month? It's getting more and more expensive. It is, okay. So uh, your supplemental plan is getting more yes. and more expensive. So I would say... And we've already reduced one of the portions of it. So would you say for a pre-retiree to maybe work in four to maybe $600 a month for that supplemental policy uh, or even more? Uh, actually, it's going to be it's going to start to be more than that. Really? Yes. That's what it is currently. Maybe six, to, it is. Maybe six to $800? It's, uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. So the bottom line is, is that... Well, the problem is, at this point in time, because of Obamacare, we, we don't totally know the effects yet. You know, th- this has not got through the system. And the other thing that doesn't come out in this that they won't tell you is you're not going to see all the same health professionals you saw before. Not every doctor wants Medicare patients. That's true. And so... There's instances where your your specialists are going to change. That's not all. That's another myth too. Is that you may <laughs> you're not, adding myth number eleven. You, you may be going <laughs> you, to San Antonio to see someone you want to see. Myth: You can keep all of your current healthcare yes. providers. Yeah, that's not myth. even that's your not, primary care. That's positions. not true on Medicare, much less Obamacare. So anyone working out a monthly budget pre-retiree, they need to figure in. A health insurance cost, even if you're going into Medicare because you're going to have to have that supplemental policy. Uh, myth number seven, all my assets are in safe vehicles for long-term accumulation and do not need to be watched closely. What the heck are I mean, safe vehicles for long-term accumulation? What do, what do they mean is, by that? There is none. Well, I, I know an annuity salesman would say this annuity, yes. this indexed annuity, this variable annuity, that's that's safe. It's quote-unquote guaranteed. That talk should have ended Hardy in 08 or 09. I mean, they, they might be talking about certificates of deposit yes. or government bonds. Yes. But those safe vehicles for long-term accumulation aren't accumulating a whole lot. I was about in, to say. In, they, in today's interest rates. They need to define what is accumulation. <laughs> That's a very loose term Something right less there. than 1% is not accumulating to me. I mean, I mean the, the, the bottom line, anyone 
going into retirement with, oh, I've got everything in CDs, I've got everything in my money market account, I've got everything in fixed income, I'm safe, I can go on my trips, on my vacations, I can go play with the grandkids and the family, I don't have to think about it, don't have to worry about it. If you don't work with an investment professional who has discretionary control and is a registered investment advisor to manage those assets for you, then you're the portfolio manager. and you cannot- Well, there is a portfolio manager. Whether you hire one or not, you've hired yourself. That's right. Yeah, that, that means that you're the portfolio manager and you cannot fall asleep behind the wheel and following this methodology of, oh, I'm safe, I don't need to watch it closely, again, setting yourself up for failure. This is why we've always used the Money Wise program to educate and to enlighten pre-retirees and retirees that you always have to be vigilant in your portfolio, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're working with an investment professional, it's something that has to be paid attention to. Well, I mean, you are the portfolio manager on your 401k plan. That's right. That That's right. If you don't have a self-directed brokerage option, and, and again, that brings up another important point, something that a lot of 401k plans don't talk about, is in-service distribution options for participants in 401ks that are age 59 and a half and older. If you're planning on working another five or six years, guess what? At 59 and a half, you have the ability to hire an investment professional, roll your 401k assets out into a self-directed IRA that you can now get professionally managed. And for someone who's amassed 500, 600, 800, a million dollars in their 401k and they don't feel comfortable with what they're doing in their own account, this is when you might want to start looking at your options as you're continuing to work and participating in the 401k for looking at a self-directed, uh, either a self-directed or an in-service distribution option in the 401k. Um, so myth number eight, I can always use the equity in my home to add to my retirement income. Well, this might have been a thought pattern prior to the housing collapse back from 2006 and 2007, and with home values just starting to come back well, and revive. You know, they're bubbling up in here. There's no question about that. They, they are, depending upon what part of the country you live in. Um, but again, as we've always educated and always talked about here on the Money Wise program, is that you should view your house as where you live. Do not view it as an investment. If you have your house paid off, yeah, you have equity built into it. It's kind of a break glass in case of emergency type thing. But if you're developing a financial plan in retirement that revolves around taking a reverse mortgage out or taking a home equity line of credit out and and living off of the equity bills into your house, again, you're planning and setting yourself up for failure. And again, with the financial crisis back in 08, which again, housing market had a lot to lend itself to to that financial crisis. There's a lot of folks that still could be underwater, have zero or very little home equity. Um, So we always say don't look at your house as a piggy bank. Look at your house as where you live. And if you have equity built into it, fantastic. But don't include it in a financial plan that, hey, this is a register that I'm going to be able to ring if I need to. Anything else you wanted to add? Myth number nine. If need be, my family can always help me out. This is my plan. (laughs) 
Well, that's myth number nine. Yeah, right? that, that's myth. That's myth Usually number myth nine. Number one. Yeah, myth number nine. And the fact is that many people use this as an excuse for dele- delaying retirement planning, but in reality, no one wants to rely on other family members to help them out financially to fund their retirement years. And if anything, these are the years when you want true financial independence and do not want to feel as if you are a burden on your family. There must be some very interesting Thanksgivings out there. I mean, the fact that this many people could be getting along, I thought it would be be the last people that you'd want to rely on would be family members. Well, I I mean, and unfortunately, again, if – if you're the type of investor or the lack thereof, not investing, not planning, you know, believing in a lot of these myths that we've already discussed, then you're going to wind up falling into the category where you're going to be looking to your children or looking to other family members to take care of you in retirement and, again, becoming a burden on them, and, and and I would think that that's that's not a conversation that any parent wants to have with their child, saying, "Well, hey, Sally, hey, you know, I'm going to be moving in with you now. I hope you have an uh, extra yeah, room I, in your house." Yeah, I'm going to be because I did such a poor job planning for retirement. Now I'm going to come live with you. How, what do you think about that? Or, or then the parents become a travel agent for guilt trips and say, well, I paid for your college. I did I all this you. for you. I raised you. You owe me this. I would recommend try not to be one of those parents that's a you owe me this kind of parent. You have to do the planning yourself and prepare for your retirement. Well, we're going to take our last commercial break. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up the 10 myths of retirement planning and we'll do that after this you're listening to money wise with davidson capital management you money wise guys will be back after the break welcome back you're listening to money wise with davidson capital management if you'd like to learn more about the money wise guys you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on monday to discuss your personal financial situation you can reach us in our local corpus christi office at nine zero six zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two and if you'd like to send us an email you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com so we spent the last hour of this weekend's moneywise program going through the 10 myths of retirement planning and we finally arrived at myth number 10 and that myth is money is everything when it comes to retirement planning Uh, Now, money is important, but it isn't everything because, again, you could have $4 million nest egg saved up, but you're spending $400,000 a year to maintain your lifestyle, and guess what? That nest egg isn't going to last too long. And so you you could have been a fantastic saver, but if you're going into retirement with a massive amount of debt, consumer debt, you know, huge house payment, a bunch of car payments, a lot of toys, high monthly expenses, and and you're leading this very, very extravagant lifestyle, doesn't matter how much you've saved because you have to pay attention to what you're spending. It's about creating a proper balance. And it's it's pretty rare that we see folks that have accumulated large nest eggs but but also have been have really big spending habits. Usually it's 
their nest egg is moderate to maybe a little below average, but they have big spending habits. Well, well what I see also is we'll still see people that save quite a bit of money, and then they get in retirement, and they're way too frugal. They're so afraid they're going to outlive their money, they won't even enjoy, be real, enjoy yeah. some of the fruits of their labor. I mean, I see well, this it, more. It, it's 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 about a happy medium, a happy balance. But I think that it goes back to your point: is that retirement planning has to stay flexible. You have to be malleable because life can change in the blink of an eye. Markets change each and every day. Allocations can adjust. You have to be flexible. This is why we're such humongous advocates against, again, let me repeat, against annuities of any shape or form because it takes away that flexibility and that malleability. We're, we're very much against taking, if you if you work for a corporation that offers a, a pension plan and you and you take the pension payment and don't take the lump sum. We're very much against taking the pension payment because you're locking yourself in to this amount of money for the rest of your life. It will be never be a penny more or a penny less. And no one knows that that's going to be enough with that's your right. other retirement income to get through retirement. So like, like Kyle said, and then we'll reiterate it again, flexibility is the key because markets – don't say the same. Life doesn't stay the same. I, I, and, to, and to me, of the ten myths, the one that 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 really I strikes a chord with strikes you strikes a chord. I would not even consider retiring without a supplemental plan to my Medicare. Do not rely on Medicare for your health costs, because that is the one guarantee. I would say you're definitely going to be using as you get older. So it's death, taxes, and increase in medical care, <laughs> increased cost of medical care. Yes. Those are the three now. It's not just death and taxes. Well, that's right. Inflation and inflation medical Inflation is all – I don't know that I've ever lived in, in two years in a row that we haven't had a pos, positive inflation. We've had inflation practically every year of my life. And, the, and, and if I've been living 48, I have no reason to doubt that the next 48 are going to have inflation also. Now, despite what the government says, current interest, current inflation rates being somewhere less than two percent, I don't know anyone that uh, isn't paying more than two percent for their living expenses, and so I'm a little suspicious of how the government's computing these numbers. And you know, we've always used at least a minimum three percent uh, inflation rate, and so if if you're if you're accumulating assets into retirement. And you unfortunately have received advice or believe that as you approach those retirement years, you should have less and less money in stocks and more and more money in a in fixed income or bond investments. There isn't a bond investment out there that has a uh, that is uh, what we would consider to be investment grade that's yielding more than three percent unless you go way way out well, there's the no one yielding seven and we're talking about in our experience our 25 years we've seen where you can take seven percent right. out of a balanced portfolio and still have a portfolio of the size still, but you what started I'm, with. yeah but what I'm saying yeah. is is that greater than the size you, you can't even get a fixed income investment that we would consider investing in that's investment grade that even reaches what we believe is is at least the minimum true rate of inflation. 
No, and, and, and again, everyone's inflationary rate is different, but if you're going into retirement anticipating that your inflationary rate's going down, not with medical care costs. No. Not with medical care costs. I don't think medical, co- Medicare costs are growing at, at 3% or less a year. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in, I think it goes college tuition, medical costs. And those the, are and probably the, that, high single-digit rates of inflation. For for tuition, it's actually I've seen I've seen statistics it's double digits, with 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 college costs. So, you know the, the the bottom the bottom line is is that you have to prepare, you have to plan. As I've always tried to educate on this program, that if if you're listening to the show and you're six months, twelve months out from retiring, this is when you need to start getting on the horse and start interviewing investment professionals that you might be interested in working with, finding out what they have to offer, seeing how they work with their clients, find out if they're taking discretionary control and are acting as a fiduciary, as a registered investment advisor does like we do here at Davidson Capital Management, or are they only going to sell you investment products and do what's suitable for you, which does not which does not mean putting your interests in front of their own or the firm that employs them, you need to start doing that work in advance. Do not get caught behind the eight ball. I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this show, but since we're talking about retirement planning, I always want to bring this up. You know, I've met with some folks that get caught behind the eight ball and they're scrambling to try to figure out who they're going to work with they wind up making a very hasty decision because they sat in one sales presentation said wow that sounds good they threw around the word guaranteed a lot and guaranteed this rate of return and guaranteed that and all these guarantees well i'm just going to sign on the dotted line and then they're toast their portfolio is toast and they're locked into something they've lost their flexibility they lost their flexibility and the bill of goods that was sold to them was completely false smoke and mirrors and then they wind up regretting that and then a lot of times we wind up working with these people where we're having to unwind these hasty decisions that they made and sometimes can cost them quite significantly and it can't be done overnight and, either. And exactly and it can't be done overnight so you know again you have to plan you have to prepare do not get sucked in to these myths and if there's anything that we can do for you at Davidson Capital Management, you want to talk about your your financial situation, give us a call, 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week. <laughs> 